1: Welcome to The Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy.
2: So today on The Family Brain, I'll be talking with Jenny and John Largent And John actually is the founder of Game Day Media, which is producing my podcast and could not do it without his assistance because I love the talking part, but I don't so much love the technical aspect of things. So I'm talking to them about their raising their three teenage sons. I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners about just wanting to know how to navigate those years and just... think it can be intimidating a lot of my well my kids are younger and a lot of the people I know have kids that are not teenagers yet but I know it's a, a period of time where we kind of can get a little bit anxious and so Jenny and John are here to share their insights about what has worked for them and for their families so I hope you enjoy it So today on The Family Brain, I'll be talking with John and Jenny Largent, who are parent experts on raising boys. And they are, in my opinion, experts because they have three boys that they have raised. Yes, we must preface, this is
1: in Megan's opinion that we're experts. We are just parents with lots of OJT.
2: (laughs) OJT, what's that?
1: On the job training. Oh, on the job training.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're already starting with the acronyms. I don't know. So, but I do, I think that... Raising children makes you an expert on at least your own children, and I think that's what we, it's a starting point, because I think we can't talk and have it be about all boys everywhere. Thank you for that, because it is
1: so true, and every, uh, just to preface, um, we have three sons, one's 19, and then we have uh, fraternal twins that are 15. Okay. And so, one thing we learned with having the twin experience is every child comes out done to a degree, like their personality, they are born with their personality and it is completely different from their siblings. They, we have three very different individuals and it was funny when they were toddlers because they ate at the same time. They pooped at the same time. They, they played the same games. They had the same friends. They had the same schedule and same parents, same, exactly same parents and just completely different babies, completely different children, just completely different people. Right.
2: And I kind of like that as a parent myself, it kind of takes the pressure off.
0: You Definitely. Know, good
2: and bad. The bad, I'm like, well, this is how they came. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I always feel like you can you can make them worse, but, you
1: know, and you can help them be the best them they can be. But they came that way. And it's, sometimes it's fun to try and figure out who, they, who they're like, right. you know, in the family because it, they're just all different.
2: Yes. Yeah. And
0: I know earlier on when we were, uh, when they were smaller, it was Michael and the twins. And as they've gotten older, I don't hear us calling them the twins nearly as much as we did when they were little because they are so individual in their own um, unique ways. One's a very good athlete, very competitive, very uh, in fashion conscious and everything. I've got one that's a computer hacker and coder and does all the things in that realm and then our oldest is really uh we're still trying to figure out um a lot of the aspects of of his life because he's so complex that he has uh i mean he he maxed out on the sat um just a brilliant kid uh and that's not always a good thing uh in their own minds because it's like I don't know how to explain it exactly, and and it, but they are very, very different kids. And um, yeah, my as, the, the, old, said, the
1: oldest is our
0: writer. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's an excellent writer, and uh, and writes quickly We're, and writes deeply, and so it's it's We're
1: really interesting curious to, hear. to see where that's
2: going to go. Yeah, well, and it's interesting the last episode that I recorded at least than the one that's coming up next. It's a woman who's a psychologist and she writes so beautifully about Mm -hmm. human experience in a way that I've never really read before, but she was talking about how she gets so entrenched in these ideas and you almost have to be kind of, I basically said tormented by these ideas to be able to describe them so well. You know, sometimes you have to feel these things so deeply. Yeah, to put it out on paper. Yeah, so.
0: and and have the have the courage to put it on paper and for other people to see. Right, which is I think is always his big concern that it's not good enough, and it's like just do it, just. Right. Get it out there.
2: And look, we've already talked about it. So now it's basically done. So you just (laughs) move on from here. (laughs) Um, But so I put out the question to our Facebook group, The Family Brain. And if anybody's interested in joining the group, look it up on Facebook. And I just have to approve you to be in the group. Um, And I pretty much approve everybody. I'm only (laughs) going to kick people out if they say unsupportive things. or try to sell something or try to sell something. Yes. Okay. I I should also mention that John produces the podcast. He's not just telling (laughs) me what to do (laughs) and, and, and we'll probably be involved in
1: this edit, which I have to, I I told him he's got a power that no other husband has right now. He can literally take the words right out of my mouth. Right.
2: Right. So funny. Um, so I put the question out there to the group. What are some things you want to know more about raising teenage boys, kind of that chunk of time in parenting and a lot of my friends don't have teenagers yet a few of them do mm-hmm. um so we got a slew of different questions and i can either start with those or i can start with what are what are the things you were really hoping to share with your
1: experiences well parenting in general one theory that we you know kind of prescribe to is is i, I want to present you the the question that uh, I feel like every parent gets, you know, what do you feel like your most important responsibility is as a parent, Megan?
2: In terms of my values? Just what is,
1: what do what you is, think every parent's most, the, what's your number one priority as a parent?
2: My number one priority as a parent is, dun, 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 I'm on the other side. I think, <laughs> well, I, I know that in my heart, it's that I want my kids to be kind people to be able to see the world. I don't know that that is always in my actions, you know, like sometimes it it ends up being, I focus on sports or academics or, you know, and I, I wish I would sometimes take more time to have them focus on being a good person and kindness. And, but I do think I do that. So I don't know, long convoluted answer. No, that's a great answer. What, what what did you
1: answer when I asked you that this morning? Mom? I said
0: uh, to keep your kids safe,
1: like your first yeah. job. Got to keep the kids protect safe. Protect
0: your protect your kids.
1: Right, and I come at it from a different angle in that I don't. I, I think we overdo the safety. I think our number one job is to teach them how to keep themselves safe in the world, and I think too often we sell them short on. Being able to trust them with their own decisions and to trust them to, to make good choices and, and that if we're making all their choices for them, then they're not learning those skills or if we're if we're keeping them so coddled and so protected in the greenhouse flower effect then they're not out there making those mistakes and getting into situations and learning how to get out of them on their own, with you as a backup, because to me, our responsibility isn't to raise children, and particularly with boys, our responsibility is to raise men. And so I always look at it as I'm raising adults. They may be at different stages in that adulthood. They may be little bitty adults, but they're going to be adults and that's and and I, I feel like you have to come at it from that angle versus the whole, I want to protect their childhood. I just want them to have this idyllic childhood. And it's like, okay, well, mm, that's great. But the whole point of childhood is to become an adult. And if you're, if you're protecting them too much, they don't learn that they, that's why I think we have a self-confidence issue with a lot of our children is they haven't had to survive through difficult situations so that's that's something that we kind of do. I think that might be a little different than some people.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was literally just having a conversation with a friend who their family is going through something difficult. And we were talking about how nice it is for their kids. While it wouldn't be something you would wish to happen to your family, that they get to go through this side by side. Yeah. The kids aren't off somewhere by themselves having to figure it out alone. They're mm-hmm. figuring exactly. it out while they're still in your exactly. home. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, we, and well, we had a situation... <clears throat> Excuse me, several years ago when our oldest son uh, he was uh, he had crippling i would say it w- it was so severe he was so shy he could he could barely function uh you would say hello to him or someone would say hello to him, and he would turn his head and just kind of hide. And, um, this is probably not going to endear me to a lot of people, but, but one of the things we did, because I, I, Jenny and I, I think the thing that we do really well as parents, uh, is we communicate constantly. We disagree on a lot of things, but we communicate and it's never, uh, to the detriment of our relationship. We've been married 24 years and she just re-signed a new contract. (laughs) So, uh, I've got another year on the extension, but (laughs) So he had this crippling, this stifling shyness and I, you know, I, I would coach him up and say, Hey, the world doesn't work without communication. And he was like, yeah, it was just very, and he was young. He was eight, seven or eight, maybe. maybe. Um, and so I said, we're going to, we're going to try to do something here. And, uh, and it was, so we came downtown, we live in San Antonio, Texas. We came downtown We toured the Alamo and, um, this was a father, son adventure. Yes. This was a father, son adventure. And I gave him five bucks and I said, I'll see you at home. And his eyes got as big as saucers and he was frightened and he just like, what am I going to do? And I said, you're going to find your way home. And how am I going to do that? And I said, you're gonna have to talk to people. You're gonna have to figure it out and two and a half hours later um, we were we were there uh, he he comes in and uh, he had the biggest smile on his face he he was proud of himself for figuring it out and it really created uh, a new level of independence that I would say our kids we try to coach that as and teach that as much as we can but it, but you know we told people that we did that and didn't go over great, but it was, and I said, look, I've got friends that live in New York city. Their kids ride the subway all the time. This is something we've created that the boogeyman's right around the corner. And while there are things that happen out there, most of the world is good. And if they see a child that needs help, they're going to help them. And so I think it in our minds and, and in his, it dispelled myths that people were scary. Mm. And so that was just, Kind of a side story,
2: right? Well, and it's interesting because it's sort of like we will complain about kids not having confidence or not having skills, but then you kind of look back at us as parents and what have we done to help prepare them to have those skills? Have we given them? A, well, a chance? it doesn't
1: matter to them when you tell them they're wonderful; they completely discount that. And and it's it's when they do something that they're proud of, that was hard for them, and they and they achieved it. That's when it means something. Um, so I think you have to give them those opportunities and, and, you know, we're very much in our family now that they're a little older about you're responsible for yourself. So if you have basketball practice on Tuesday at three o'clock, it's not my job to remember that you've got basketball practice and to make sure you have a ride. It is your job to keep track of your own calendar. And you need to remind me that morning if I need to get you there, um, that's your responsibility. Um,
2: about what age would you say you started kind of, or was it a slow process? That's a good question. Um, cause I would like that to be true now, but I have a 10 year old and I mean, I have to be like, it, it seems like it was on? pretty, yeah. You know? But I mean, it's, it's got, I was also the parent though,
1: that if it was 40 degrees outside and they didn't want to take a coat, okay, don't take a coat. And then the first time they miss recess cause it was too cold and they wouldn't let them go outside. Hmm. Yeah. I told you I right. suggested a coat, but I'm not going to make you take a coat. I, So much of life has its own consequences. You just have to let them experience that. It's like, okay, if you, you know, you woke up too late and you missed the bus and now you have a problem. Okay, that's now your problem. How are you going to get yourself to school? You know, you can call a cab or I don't know what you're going to do, but it's not, doesn't mean that I have to fix your problem. Right. You know, I can give you suggestions, but there's, you know, there has to be a... You know, I would look at those things that make you crazy. If it's the getting them out of bed in the morning. Okay. Well then I'm, I'm done. Just let them know I'm done getting you out of the bed in the morning. I will give you strategies. You know, how about we set three alarms on your phone, but if you miss the bus, you're going to have to figure out a solution. Yeah. I love that. You know, know or, or I'll come back and I'll get you to school, but it's going to cost you 10 bucks because I'm, you know, I will be your Uber. (laughs) But it's, it's going to – there will be a penalty that hurts you. That's sometimes the trick is figuring out where their pain point
2: is. Right. That's where I am thankful for iPads, at least with my younger children. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's yeah. good because it, I can take something away that really affects them. Absolutely. So you did know. you grow up with brothers or did you know anything no, about boys? I just boys? had one older sister. Okay. I didn't have any boy experience at all. That's how I – I grew up with three sisters and – uh, so my kids are younger, they're six and my boys are eight and 10. Um, but that's, so how did you get information about how to do this? Or was it an on the job training kind well, of situation when a lot of it, I've just had to trust John's
1: perspective. And, and I, I feel for, for single moms out there because when our oldest was about three, um, it didn't matter what I did he would not, like, I could not punish him. Like it, It he just would not take me seriously. I mean, I couldn't spank him because if I did, he would just, you know, almost laugh at me, hmm. like pfft, whatever. And, and it was like, because I think of that nurturing relationship, he just couldn't see me as, as that kind of a authority figure. But if I just said his dad's name, It was like the look of, Oh, you know, like, Oh, this is real. And so I, I, I do feel Mm -hmm. for single moms out there. There is a difference between mom parenting and dad parenting. And, you know, the, uh, we were talking about earlier, the, the humor is so different, the way that men joke around and the way that women interact (laughs) with each other. I don't even know that women joke around necessarily. I'm like,
0: well, the farts, words.
2: farts aren't necessarily exactly. like the basis of our humor.
0: <laughs> well, and, and, <laughs> No offense, John. That's yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> but just the way that they'll insult each other. Right, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, if I've made a joke to my friend when she walked up like, man, you're looking fat today, she would be a ball of tears right. and that would be horrible and I would never consider joking that way and yet men can do that to each other all the time and then they'll come back and go like yeah and you're looking pretty bald how you doing hug and they're happy and they're joking around it's just the way that men interact is very different than the way that women interact and so I, I you know when that kind of playing around and things like that I just have to defer to John because I don't get it
0: yeah and I had an older brother and I was tormented as a kid so uh, <laughs> not in a You know, not Not in a a literal way, way, but but (laughs) he was a typical older brother. I mean, he was when he was in high school, I was in junior high. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where if I got to a level like we play basketball outside and I got to the point where I could beat him in basketball, he would change the rules and it would just Mm -hmm. drive me nuts. And um, and so from that, I can see the interaction with the boys and understand um, uh, I, I can honestly say our kids have never thrown a punch at each other mm. and there's a lot of testosterone. I don't think they've ever thrown a, like a real punch. Have they? Not, not, a, not a punch
1: to the face, but there's been a couple of shoving.
0: Yeah. Punches. Well, shoving is different than punching. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. um, it doesn't matter. If yeah. You can just let me know at some point. Um, so, um, so I'll edit Sorry. this part out. Um, Throwing so punches. yeah, I don't think they've ever had like a real violent Uh, encounter. They, they've yelled at each other from time to time and they, and they've pushed each other around, but I don't ever remember fisticuffs and, you know, that's, I think that's to the point we tell them, you know, that's not respectful. You know, we, we really try to, my mother, old school, like really old school and her, my grandmother was take the switch off the tree and spank you and that kind of thing which wasn't the most fun thing but like with my brother and I um my mom would just push us out the door and say resolve it come back in and it did force us to in my case I had to be smarter than my older brother to try to get out from any kind of bodily harm, and (laughs) and so I I think I understand and I think a lot of fathers understand that 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 relationship is different to your point. And um, I don't know how much of that is um, just innate and is just something that comes prepackaged because they insult me all the time. What are you doing, old man? You know, and mm-hmm. just, and it's a joke and I don't take it as disrespectful because they say it with a smile on their face, but they know when it's serious time that it's serious time. So, and that's happened as they've gotten older. That wasn't happening when they were six, but now that they're taller than me, you know, they get to taunt me and and make fun of me, but that's part of the, we have a very happy home. There's always jokes. There's always laughter. And I think that's an important key too, is that we, we don't take ourselves too seriously except when it comes to the responsibility piece of making your own decisions and having to live with them.
2: Right. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that in my own home also just, and I never thought I'd be the person that was like, you want to talk to dad about this or you want to talk to me about this? You know, and, and they're like, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. So basically I'm setting mm-hmm. myself up as like the easy one, but for whatever reason, and I'm actually tougher. I think I'm tougher. I'm, Could, I'm, I'm much more heavy handed with punishments. You. And I mean, I'll think like we had this one circumstance and my son was like, Oh, dad's going to kill us. And I'm like, dad was defending you. This is the whole thing is disgusting to me. <laughs> you know? But, um, so anyway, yeah. it is, it's, it's interesting how that. Does happen and how we sort of need all the players to, and you know what, and even with single parents or two women raising a family, I think that's where outside voices are helpful and just sort of getting support from the people that are in your circle. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that from a partner. Um, so a lot of the questions we got were about raising, well, respectful men and just this whole concept of sort of toxic masculinity, like not being super like, oh, macho. I tell man. Ya, it
1: is an interesting time in our society right now. And having children that are um, culturally aware, they're really feeling under attack right now. Okay. Um, it, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting time because they, they, they are feeling that like they there. can't
2: do anything right kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Like they're mm-hmm. that they're they're already you know judged as having committed a crime before they even show up. So it's it's kind of an interesting time and we have those discussions um you know they're li- listening to different people on YouTube and all that. It's not stuff necessarily that we've shown them. They, they they're yeah. figuring that out on their own. So that that was something that to me was kind of interesting. It's an interesting time to be raising men because it's It's interesting, but I think something that has really been helpful in our home. And again, it is the, the, you know, nuclear family, um, is John has always, always, always insisted that the boys be respectful to me and he'll take it. And I have heard him, you will not speak to my wife that way, you know, and, and it takes that to a different level versus you won't speak to your mom that way. He says it that way sometimes too, but sometimes it's like, you're not going to talk to my wife that way. You know, we don't talk to women that way. And, you know, our boys are dating now and they get out of the car and they walk their date to the door and they say good night. And when they, when, you know, cause we still have to drive them, <laughs> the little, the younger ones. Um, so when we go to pick up a, a girl, you know, they get up, they go to the door. It's not texting. Okay, we're here. You know, they, they really try to be respectful that way. Um, and we tell them that's how we do it. Right. You know,
2: that. You don't know. You go to the door. You, you, what about you messages home. about – because I've met all of your kids, and they are very different. What about messages about this is what real men do? I mean, I I'm, yeah. from talking to you guys, I know you didn't do that, but how did you approach things, I think, especially we, being in Texas? <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Texas is kind of yeah.
0: – So I'll, I'll say some things about that because I grew up in the sticks in hunting, fishing – Football, those were all part of my life growing up. That was all things that we've done since we've, you know, since I've been an adult and been in the city, it's been different. Um, But I think uh, pointing some things out that are, um, I would say, culturally stereotypical of the over masculinity you know the big monster trucks that are on the highway that's, that's
1: they're learning how the, to drive right now and so we'll always be like okay watch out for the trucks the pickups and and yeah. they're like we never understood that and now that we're driving we get it they're always so rude
0: <laughs> so like, and that's yeah. a that's a generalization but it's it's something that we point out and it's like so I have always wanted our kids to pursue their interests. I've never wanted to live vicariously through them. And so my upbringing, how I was raised, how kind of all the, you know, I grew up in rural East Texas. She grew up in Los Angeles. We couldn't be more diametrically opposed. And so, um, but it's created a really interesting dynamic of how the West meets the south kind of in in Mm -hmm. some of the some of the ways that um we we have experienced with our kids because they really don't have the hyper masculinity that i think uh and and it's it's one of those things like i want them to know how to change a tire i want them to know how to uh check the battery i want them to know some basic what people would probably wrongly consider man things right but there's no, you know, you can't let them see you cry and you can't, you know, be yourself, be who you are. And people will love that because of your authenticity instead of trying to be something that you either are being forced to be because of your own upbringing or that that's the expectations that you have. You know, our kids are big strapping boys and they're, they're, uh, you know, there may be expectation that they're going to be the, these macho and, and, they're not, but they're, they're super confident in who they are, so that makes it easier. Right. I think. Would you?
1: Yeah, and and we're not shy about telling them when they're being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And Is sometimes that how you we say use it? we use stronger language than that at okay. times. <laughs> yes, you know, I'll, I'll call them a you know, yeah, insert word of your choice. I'll yes. try to keep it family friendly, right. but if they are, we'll call them on it. It's like, yeah, we don't treat each other that way you're being a, you're being a jerk. That's no. Right. Right.
2: This is kind of reminding me too, of, um, uh, this woman I spoke with that was talking about eating disorders. She had an eating, she has an Mm -hmm. eating disorder clinic and she was talking about the home needing to be a safe place for being your authentic self because the culture is so toxic. And I think the same holds true with messages for both men and for women Mm -hmm. that you're going to see advertisements, movies, other people acting in certain ways that might, sort of exude this toxic masculinity and it's in the home where you have these conversations and kind of like pick it apart. And well, what do you think? Is this how you Mm want to be? And that it sounds like you guys have created that safe zone for them to figure out how they want to do it.
1: We've tried.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think we don't pull any punches. We, we, I don't, we've never talked down to our kids. You know, we've always spoken to them as jenny mentioned earlier as young adults um we've never you know what do you want sugar and you know when we go into a when they were younger we go into a store and we see a kid uh grabbing at something and the mom says no or the dad says no and they just start bawling it's like that's not how we do it in our household that's just not acceptable it just you just can't do it was that.
1: always a wine-free zone yeah there will be no whining like yeah. i have no yeah, tolerance for that one.
0: Yeah, so in a lot of ways, we're I'm I'm listening to us talk about, it and we sound kind of like a holes a little bit as <laughs> parents. But I
2: don't I, think so.
0: But because we don't give any, but we're if you saw our house and saw how we don't have any, I say this: our younger ones were, they're not angst ridden teens. They're they're very happy and they're very engaging with us and they talk to us about things other than, you know, the Kardashians and things like that. They, they, they're really well attuned to politics. Although sometimes
1: we talk
2: about that too. And that's an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. She makes, they make a lot of money. They do. And you know what I tell them about (laughs) the Kardashians? As I say, those
1: are some of the hardest working people out there. Nobody gets it for free. And, and And those people are working like dogs and they have made a lot of trade-offs. And so don't think that they have an easy life because they, and I've not watched the show because I'm just going by my impression, you know, they may look, it look like it's easy and fun and playing with makeup or whatever it is that they're doing. I said, but those people are working like dogs because nobody gets it for free. You see a rapper, you see somebody out there who, whatever they're working hard. And don't think that you're going to get anything without working your butt off because nobody gets it easy. And, and I, I think that message has been lost in our culture that, you know, it's like, just find what you love and you'll never work a day. And it's like, well, yes, of course we want you to find what you love, but you're going to, the reason you'll be successful with it is because you're going to work like a dog at it. You're going to enjoy that work and work is not a bad thing, but you're, it's not going to come for free. You're, you're, there's going to be hard work involved and, and you shouldn't shy away from that or think that it's, or be surprised when that happens because yeah. everything, everything takes, yeah, I think, you know, parenting
2: me, takes me, effort. I mean, yeah, somebody yeah. was just telling me that, <laughs> that she was complimenting a woman who had a college age daughter and she said, What did you do? You know, what was your special recipe? And she was like, Hard work every single day. Yep. You know, my mother it's like says the never- first
1: 50 years were the hardest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of truth in that. There
1: is yeah. because every age has its own challenges. Mm-hmm. Every age. I mean, and its own set of work. We were talking about that at work the other day that every age. You know, they're a little bitty. You're worried they're going to swallow something and choke to death. They get a little bit older. You're worried they're going to run in front of a car. You know, it's like every age there's a fear, but that doesn't mean you can, that they can't be out there living. Right. You know, it says that this age, it's like, I'm waiting for the, the, the real broken hearts. We haven't had serious broken hearts yet. And I know that's going to come, you know, there's, they're getting to that age and there's, there's, you know, or you fear that somebody's going to get pregnant or you fear that somebody's Gonna go shack up with the girlfriend, or you feel, you know, it's like you're. There's a whole new set of fears, and then I know that as they, you know, get through college, and are they gonna get their first job, and are they gonna marry somebody that you know we think will be successful, and you know, the 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 worry's gonna go on and on, and and your job as a parent, in my opinion, is to give them as many tools as possible in their tool belt, and to try and give them the resources to To help them through that,
0: Yeah. Um, you know, what was interesting, I saw Dick Van Dyke on television the other day, and he's ninety three. He's
1: still alive. Yep, he's Go ninety.
0: <laughs> he's ninety three, awesome. and he's got a seventy year old son. Wow! And, and the interviewer asked him, "Do you look at the seventy year old man as your boy?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's always going to be my boy." And so <laughs> wow. I think the worrying is that's a it, never thing. it never stops. It
1: never stops, but. It's, it's such a great adventure. I mean, I, I, I enjoy seeing they get I and, and I think they get better with every year. Every year they get better and better and better. And it's like you start with this little baby and you're like, I could never love or enjoy this human any more than I am right now. And they just get better. Cause then all of a sudden they're talking and they're talking back to you and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's okay. And then they're out doing things and you get to watch them and you're crying at piano rehearsals and or recitals and, you know, every age. And then they're dunking basketballs and games. <laughs> we have, John has a story for that one. This is the difference between mothers and fathers. Okay. So our, our, our one son, he's playing basketball. His dream is to, you know, do the college basketball thing. And, um, He's been working on his dunking. He's 15. He can dunk in practice. And so he's been in a summer league and we're like, this is your laboratory. This is your chance to try things that you're, um, not as confident doing uh, for your high school team. Use this as your laboratory. Take this advantage, you know, go, go put it out there. Be willing to, to make a mistake. You know, this is the time and never had dunked in a game. And so. This was John's response. I'll let him tell
0: the oh. story. So um, he's super athletic, can dunk the ball. I mean, he's he's very, he's got, as the young kids say, he's got big hops. So he <laughs> he can jump. And um, so I, I put a challenge out to him. There was a big tournament um, last weekend. And I said, look, if you dunk the basketball in the game, I will take you and get you whatever kind of shoes you want
1: and as as a mother that's like oh that's so much pressure what if he doesn't do it then he's going to be so disappointed and oh like and it, and the whole idea would never have occurred to me in the first place would never occur to me to make it a challenge like that cuz i just don't think that way to me that's 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 more John's way of thinking versus mine. I'm more of a, you can do it, honey, just try, you know, and I'll cheerlead on the side. Whereas he takes it to the next level and, and pushes him in a way that I would just never come naturally to me.
0: So in the first game of the tournament, he gets a breakaway. He's going down the court and he goes up to dunk. He almost dunks, but it doesn't, it kind of rolls around and then slowly drops in through the. Through the net, and I'm like, he looked over at me, and I'm like, nope, that didn't count. <laughs> but he so, actually
1: tried, and I'm of course as the mom going, but he tried one. Can't that count? No, no, that doesn't count. He didn't right. do it. You know, it's like he.
0: So I gave him a one game extension, <laughs> and I said, you know, if you do it in this game, same same rule. First quarter, he gets the ball, just takes it down and just slams it home and looks at me and starts pointing at his feet. And, and at
1: that point, the whole team knew about the challenge,
0: and yeah. so they were all behind him. They were all behind <laughs> him. They put him in a situation <laughs> to do that. And then all the parents said, your wallet just got a little lighter, didn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it did. But it, And it wasn't meant to, as a bribe. It was just meant as an incentive because he, I knew in his head he could do it, and he wanted to do it, but I just wanted to give him that little nudge and incentivize him to do it. And now... Because that's a tool on the basketball court. That's that's part of the game. And if he can do that with confidence now, then that's just helped him elevate his game. So we we try to do a lot of encouraging things. Uh, we're not just... Uh,
1: well, and, and trying to figure out those things that are holding him back. Like, for him, it was a confidence issue. It was the, you know, it took him a long time with his game in general just to be willing to take more shots. He mm-hmm. was always really great at defense, and but it was... You know, how do you get him to to take that shot? Because he didn't want to miss for the team, you know? So it's like he was much more likely to pass it off to somebody he felt would have a better chance than himself. And it's like, but you're never going to become the one who makes the shots if you're not taking the shots yourself. So for for that child in particular, it was just important to give him a reason to to make it okay to fail. Like his team members have been like, well, yeah, you have to try the dunk. You got shoes on the line, you know, and and that gave him permission in his own mind, I think, to to take that chance that he wasn't willing to take otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I think conversely with with his brother, who is seven minutes older than him, who's not I mean, he's athletic, but he's not competitive. He would rather be building a computer or, or working on a software. He wanted to do an internship this year. Um, at one of the tech companies downtown, uh, San Antonio downtown area is a, is a technology hub in the country. And, uh, I was like, I know a couple of people, I'll give you their phone numbers and you make the call and ask if you can do an internship. Again, I didn't hand it to him. I said, here's the tool you need. He went and interviewed and got the internship and just finished up yesterday. And he got a glowing response from the CEO of the company. At fifteen, he was the only high school kid. Every all the other interns were uh, at Trinity University or UTSA, and so it's like you knew what you wanted. You you took the steps needed to get there, and you accomplished it. And so we we really try to. I think if nothing else, our our home is a is very interactive um it's less of a parent child relationship now except in certain situations and more of a collaborative co-working space it's a com- <laughs> it's a company
1: i've never heard you describe it that way
0: <laughs> it's a company i mean we have 7 it's people in our house <laughs> we have food that needs to be purchased i mean well but my- when my mom comes yes yeah. so <laughs> We have frequent people, guests. People are that,
1: confused because John's mother lives with us as well. Okay, so we're uh, that's only been for about the last two years. Yeah,
0: which has been an interesting. Which has been one. Too.
1: That's a whole other podcast. I know, and actually, we we've had a demand do. for that. Yes, I cannot encourage the people. Sandwich generation.
2: Yes, you heard that. Term? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely
1: love it. It okay. has been the biggest win, 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 win. Like everybody in the household, even the dogs have benefited from this. I oh. mean, it has been fabulous, but it has to be done the right way, I think, okay. well we bought a house to be able to do it, so that that's awesome. everybody has their spaces but but yeah, that has been that's another story
2: <laughs> so If we can switch gears a little bit and just get more (laughs) talking about the sex stuff. We need to talk about the sex It's going to get warm in here. And it's funny because I I was telling you before I read all these questions and I started to get nervous. Luckily, you said you're comfortable. (laughs) I got this. um,
1: Whether I do or not, we're going to fake
2: it. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I think that's one of the things that a lot of times people, when they think about teenage boys, and we just talked about so many things related to teenage boys that have nothing to do with puberty, sex, pornography, mm. any of those topics, they have these whole lives. Mm. That's not the only thing about them. But I think a lot of times when people think about teenage boys, that's the fear is, or the it concern of the the challenging part of parenting that people are getting nervous about.
1: I, I agree. And the interesting thing with the time now with raising boys is how aggressive the girls are.
2: Somebody they said have that, that repu- right?
1: The, the, you know, boys have the reputation of being, you know, the aggressors sexually. And it's the girls now. And with the girl, the girls have always matured earlier. And, you know, if you have a fifth or sixth grader, you're not too early to be talking to them about it. And so
2: how did you start about what age did you start? And Golly. you don't need to tell me what you did and yeah. everybody needs to do yeah. this, but like, what, how did you, how did you do it?
0: Whew. Um, I know what I did. I asked the boys probably around 10 years old, 10 or 12. Um, What do you know about sex? Let them tell me, and then I can dispel the untruths and the exaggerations and the the stories. But that was always, it was never like a sit down and have the talk. It was kind of in an ongoing dialogue.
1: Yeah, and just as a tip for communicating with boys especially, but probably girls as well, if you have a hard time getting them to talk, what I have found works best for me is car rides and walking the dog or taking a walk where you're not having that eye contact.
2: That is a big tip in therapy is when you're working with teenagers is to take a ride in the car. Yeah. Or they'll just talk to you.
1: They're much more likely to talk to you in the car. And so there'll even be times where I try to figure out a situation when you have multiple children, it makes it hard to get one-on-one in the car. So I'll be, you know, like there've been times when I've had to tell the other kids, no, you can't come on this trip to the store you know, because, and they'll, they'll kind of look at you and I'm like, yeah, I just need some time with, you know, with this one. And, and because I'll have something I want to discuss. Um, I'm remembering less than the initial conversations. I'm remembering more than recent conversations I've been having, um, with my children. And, and it's been interesting because I do have, you know, I I haven't also with having three, sometimes you get further down the road with one than you do with another, just because that's, you know, it's not necessarily like have this talk with this one and you make sure you get all three of them. But, um, like I had one with, uh, one of the 15 year olds recently about, um, how sex needs to be mutual. Because I think right now, I think there's this perception with young girls that if they can, you know, somehow pleasure, the boy that he'll be more interested in them, and that's how they conceal the deal. You know, like oh, then we'll be boyfriend girlfriend if I do this thing.